Hello and welcome to Absolute Comics with Benny and Sal without Benny and with Dan. It's the longer name. This is the longer version of the show. Uh, it is myself and Sal. Sal, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I am doing quite well. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump on into the topics that I found this morning. Uh, <laughs> starting off with Zack Snyder news as... You kind of can't read the news without Zack Snyder showing up at some point. Right. Uh, Zack Snyder has big or had big plans for Barbara Gordon Batgirl to make her fill the role of Batman after he sacrifices himself and hold the role until the powerless child of Superman and Lois would become Batman when he was of age. Now, the reason why I put this in the topics today was because when I first read it, I was like, oh, my goodness. That's crazy cool. That would be fun to read. And then I realized that's Zach just constantly trying to stay in the news and hype all the fans up. Yeah. Because he knew he knows it'll work. I mean, it worked with the Snyder cut yep. that he got his four hour epic of a movie, which we he will did. talk about later. And if you want to mm -hmm. hear Benny and Sal talk about it, check out absolutely Marvel and DC. They do a great discussion over there. Um, so yeah, what what do you think? Like uh, a Barbara Gordon Batgirl in the Snyderverse? Uh, you know, it, it it sounds like it would work. It sounds mm -hmm. like in this universe, this version of Batgirl, the circumstances by which she becomes the replacement de facto Batman, uh, it, it seems pretty in keeping with what we know the Snyderverse to be. The only surprise, I guess, is that he would be willing to get rid of Batman altogether mm -hmm. and replace him with anybody. Uh, but... The idea that eventually she would be supplanted by essentially a Superman son makes me like it, it makes perfect sense to me. It kind of clicks into place because mm -hmm. throughout like, you know, you made Man of Steel and you could tell right away he was like, oh, God, you know, they wouldn't give me the Batman movie because they, they wanted to start with <laughs> Superman. But, like, I'll get there. I'll get there. And then eventually, you know, the Man of Steel 2 became Batman vs. Superman. The Batman vs. Superman movie was more of, like, his kind of, like, this is what I want to do with Batman movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and Justice League, you know, you see from the Snyder Cut, like, just how much of affinity he has for Batman. You know, we don't we don't see any other real elements of Central City, Metropolis. Perry White doesn't even make an appearance. But Commissioner Gordon is cast and shot, and he's in there. Like, we see a lot of Gotham in that movie, and you can tell right away he he wanted to make a batman movie and it's just for him to go yeah no the new batman would be superman's son is like oh my god dude like just just let somebody else do superman if you don't want to mm -hmm. do superman that badly that you're willing to make the next superman into a batman it's just it's just a perfect metaphor for what he was doing right uh, but yeah. like yeah no i so when i was reading it and uh based on your comment of the killing off batman yeah when I read this, honestly, whenever Zack Snyder comes out with some sort of plan of, oh, I wanted to do this. Oh, I thought this would be really cool. Yeah. I always feel like he puts in a lot of just shock factor. Like he right. goes, you know what will get people to watch this if I kill Batman? Right. <laughs> because you go, like, even if you're not the biggest fan, you're like, okay, in a weird way, I want to see Batman die because he never really dies and stays dead. No. What is uh, Snyder going to do? Because he clearly would turn it into this full on thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, this was entirely just a shock value because, I mean, if you saw the Snyder cut in the epilogue, there's a yeah. couple shock factor things where 
I'm sure there are going to be a lot of fans that are like, well, now we need this. If HBO Max did the Snyder Cut of Justice League, what's to stop them from doing this other one that I won't spoil because we're not talking about right now and people don't yeah. want spoilers yet. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. I thought, uh, I think it would be really fun if Batgirl did actually become the new Batman. Just because very often you go, oh, Dick Grayson. One of the Robins. Right. Like, that's that's just who you immediately go to. So when I saw Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, the fact of how much he also likes using Jim Gordon, uh, in the interview he did talk about this would be, like, towards when Jim Gordon would be stepping down. Uh, it would be kind of a cool, like, multifaceted approach to the character of she is a cop's daughter, but she's also now Batman. Right, she's on the other side of the law, more or less. Uh, I mean, it sounds it's it also sounds from the article that he's kind of like, you know, yeah, I had this idea, you know, like we we really they only focus on the movie that they're making. You know, they could like have board meetings and discussions and maybe even like scripts or outlines for stuff in the future. But when they're making the movie, they're kind of making that movie. And I can imagine him going like, oh, it'd be kind of cool. Like they set up a couple of like interesting uh, uh, elements in the Snyder cut that you're like, Oh, that was not in the last cut. And Oh, I guess that has like far reaching impact in the future. Um, but again, I'm not going to spoil it. So, but the idea of him like clearly having some, el- there's some measure of truth to him being like, no, I, I had some ideas for Barbara Gordon and I did have, I, I have intentions for Batgirl. And it's like, okay, okay. Like you did. But as you see, he's like kind of trails off where he's like, you know, then Batgirl would have been the mentor for Superman's son. But you know, like we're really kind of just getting into wishful thinking. Like he wasn't even close to the younger, you know, man ascending to become Batman. You know, mm-hmm. like he's just kind of like, Batgirl was part of the plan. Who knows if she would have even been the plan? Because we've heard rumors about Batgirl movies before. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that like the most recent one, I don't remember this. I feel like Whedon was going to work on a Batgirl movie, like as recently as a few years ago. Um, Interesting. So, but I, but again, you know, it's just kind of like it's funny. I guess I wouldn't be surprised because Hollywood, in their infinite wisdom, is like. Yeah, we've never done that. Sexy Batman, I'm in. You know, as, as opposed to like, well, you know, Batgirl, she's Barbara Gordon's such a rich character, and we can explore the legacy of the character, and you know, the, the dichotomy of daughter and son and, and father. It's like, oh, what? No, we, we don't. I don't know anything about that character. Just Batman, but it's a girl. Hair, got it. Interested. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, it, it's it's funny to hear. I, I I'm I would not be surprised based on how they rolled out the Snyder Cut if Batgirl being like a mentor character in the future or like ascending to replace Batman in his future. If we're not, if, if it's not like the first of many different interesting revelations about what Snyder had planned for the future uh, in the near future. Like if we wouldn't hear in another two, two days, let's say like, Oh, you know what else I had planned? Right. This other thing. It'd be like Batgirl gets with Dick Grayson. They have a kid, but that kid's got powers and he's now the new Superman. Exactly. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I would not be surprised if we hear about Dick Grayson and his plans for that character or maybe his intentions for, you know, maybe maybe de- determining what Robin it was who mm-hmm. was in the trophy room um, in the next couple of days just because he's like, oh, I'm, now that the Snyder cuts out, like what else are they going to talk about? Not my zombie right. movie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> he's got a zombie movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's gonna come out on on HBO Max, but like, it it, and I don't know if it's like 
a sequel to his Dawn of the Dead, which I loved. It's called mm-hmm. Army of the Dead, uh, and okay. and it's coming. I think May. I think like I think. End oh of wow! May. So soon. Yeah. No. It's like it's it's done. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. I've never. I. Uh, I definitely have not heard anything about Zack Snyder other than the Snyder Cut in the past probably year or so. Um, and by year, I mean since Justice League came out. I just don't know when that came out exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you guys uh, do want to hear our opinions on the Snyder Cut, we will be talking about that at the end of the podcast. Uh, moving on to our next topic, we've got DC increases the price of many comics to $6 each, with most of the new Infinite Frontier comics being 30-plus pages each. Um, yes. Honestly... I think this is fine. Like, a lot of people are kind of looking at it as, uh, oh, like, comics have been 3 or $4 my entire life. Why would you change it? <laughs> it's like, well, first off, inflation. Yeah. Uh, second off, they are, or at least with Infinite Frontier, they've started getting back into including multiple stories, the backup stories, but just giving you a lot more comic in a single issue and I think it's worth the $6. I honestly think that this is a smart move uh, by them since, I mean, I don't know the whether or not it's true of financial troubles at DC Comics, but... Yeah, we don't know anything. I mean, like, honestly, any any commentary on, like, whether DC is, like, you know, ever flirted with the idea of being up for sale or anything like oh, that, don't it's worry. all conjecture. We have no idea. Oh, don't worry. That's a topic uh, later in today's <laughs> podcast. Huzzah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what What do you think that this will change either how many comics people buy, whether people even are going to buy comics or anything like that? Or do you think this is going to be one of those outrage? Okay, I we're mean, okay with it now. <laughs> yeah, right? I know that people are already outraged. Like, mm-hmm. I know that there has already been, like angry vitriolic reaction to the concept of, of of upping dc comics prices to six dollars obviously because the article comes from bleeding cool it is deliberately sensationalized and trying to get people to click on it um we also know that like it's not just an arbitrary increase it's not like they're just going like according across the board from now on dc comics gonna be six bucks like it mm-hmm. that because the last time i saw dc ever say anything about like their prices being fixed they said holding the line at 299 like they said that and then immediately raised their prices uh, yeah. so i feel like if there are books that are going to be going up to 699 the reason for that increase has a lot to do with recouping some investment uh because of course, they also made some like significant structural changes internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only did they lay off a significant amount of uh, staff and, and editors, but also they seemed to get rid of quite a bit of their exclusivity contracts, which will save them a lot of money in the long run. Uh, the 699, I think, is just another budgetary decision, but not without its own justification because a lot of these books are also being given extra book to go in them. Either the books yeah. are longer or, more likely, they're getting other books crammed into them. For example, if you picked up Justice League this this week or this past week, uh, it came with Justice League Dark. I don't think Justice League Dark is coming back as a book. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a backup book in the pages of Justice League because they know, at the very least... Justice League, the book, sells. We can we can count on this book to sell. And we can probably up the price on that book because we're basically selling you two books. Even though you didn't ask for Justice League Dark, you're getting it anyway. 
Exactly. Like they they're raising the price for good reason. You're getting what your money's worth. Getting yeah. your money's worth. Right. Uh <laughs> like yeah. So um I'm actually gonna go into the next topic because you did talk about the oh, uh, sure. the selling of DC comics. The Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman is in potential talks to purchase DC comics. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> There's a lot to unpack from this. The biggest one, of course, is that it comes from an erroneous source. Yes, so it, this is true. It's almost certainly made up just for clip. Like, this is one of those things where I don't even think there's a grain of truth attached to it. I think this is just people needed or wanted clicks. And, you know, the, the DC Comics up for grabs uh, conversation that's old news baby we talked about that already like that's stuff that already came up and from what I understand it came and went you know like there was some conjecture about that uh, again all hearsay all rumor no confirmations but we you know we heard rumors like Marvel put in a bid but uh, DC right. apparently uh, they wanted too much for what they valued themselves on and uh, I, I it just sounds like a bunch of BS to me to be honest but right. then for it to, but that was weeks ago, and then for it to come back, it sounds like it's just a bunch of opportunists who are like, "What is a thing that got me clicks two or three weeks ago?" Because right now there's like a, a slow news cycle, especially given that, you know, I could have piggybacked off of the success of the Snyder Cut, but Zack Snyder literally came onto some of our channels and told us that we were racist to our face. So we're probably going to drop off of that. What else can we talk about? How? What else are people outraged about? So for me, the story isn't even like. Will Robert Kirkman buy DC? Because here's the thing. If Disney thinks that DC is too expensive, Robert Kirkman can't afford DC. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If Amazon, the owner of Comixology, isn't putting in a bid for DC Comics, which would be one of the best decisions they could make. Oh, yeah. That would be genius. Right? Especially with you Comixology. Could... Yeah, you throw like... away the DC Infinite app. You replace it with Comixology, make DC Comics exclusively Comixology and retailer, and you just and, and and Bezos gets the gets the the both slices of the pie, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You get the the digital market and the and the direct market, um, which as we've argued, like the the direct market, like the comic book stores. That's there is a that's the biggest slice of the monthly comics sales. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the real story here is just like. Desperate channels and websites, desperate for clicks, making up stuff. Here it is, because uh, that's exactly what I think this is. Um, yeah, no, I definitely, totally I definitely agree. Uh, but humoring the right. idea of Robert Kirkman doing it, I think if anything, <laughs> we would just get ongoing series of every single comic that just never end. Right. And, like, <laughs> I feel yeah. like that would be what probably one of the biggest changes would be a instead of them going, hey, Tom King, you've got 100 issues for Batman. Have fun. He'd be like, all right, don't stop ever. Nope. <laughs> yep. Just just a thousand issues. However many you can do until you run out of steam. And then uh, and then we'll begin, make a big announcement or we won't make any announcement. We'll just end mm -hmm. the book because I think he did that with Walking Dead where he was just like, oh, by the way, the next one's the last one. I think, yeah, it was just like an out of the blue, just, it, yeah, we're, I'm done. Yeah. Fine. Oh, by the way, it's the next issue that's being solicited. Yeah, that's the last issue. So you're screwed, retailers. Ha ha ha. Sorry you couldn't get uh, free orders up. Uh, but yeah, I, I, 
the con I, I like okay so i had a i had a conversation i kind of want to like make this a bigger talk on another show but like okay i will mention that like part of the reason why netflix was so successful is because it was one-stop shopping it was the place for all the shows and movies and i think that's like how they got deep pockets enough to be like a content generator like netflix the model does not work for creating your own content or it allows you to dabble you know, you can make documentaries because they're cheaper, or you could make uh, passion projects for for creators who are super hyped up. You know, like if in the heyday of Netflix, when they had The Office, if Steve Carell wanted to like star in and co-produce a, like a movie that's ninety minutes, they would have funded it. Oh yeah, but they were, but they're not in the business of making shows, and it's why their business model for making shows kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that the future slash the past of content creation and content absorption is one-stop shopping. It's why the webcomic model is more or less dead, and the webtoons model is very much alive. Right. People just want to go to one website and just get their shit. And I think that one day, monthly comic books will go that way too. I and would not maybe, be surprised. Right? But maybe that's where it should go. Like yeah. that maybe one-stop shopping will be the way to save monthly capes and tights comics. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll throw out a, before I jump to the next one, cause I've seen this a couple of times uh, yeah. on regard to the online reading one-stop shop. Uh, a great example is Deadpool Samurai, which is currently the most read Marvel comic slash manga out there right now. It I've, is. I've I mean, it is. It. Uh, it is technically. It is free. Like it is free in the Shonen Jump uh, in Japan, but it currently almost consistently gets at least a million reads per oh issue. Oh my god! Yes, and it's. It was a great. I, when I did see, it, I've been wanting to put it on the topics, but I don't know. I because it was free, I just kind of ignored it because it's like, uh, you get a million reads. But no one has to buy it, so is it really that big of a thing? But I'm kind of hoping it comes to America, or at least Comixology or something like that, because I really want to give it a chance. Deadpool Samurai, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that, I mean, that's a great example, though, of online reading, especially when it is free. It gets the publicity out there, because you could easily yeah. go, hey, Deadpool Samurai, it's free. If you like it, try out this Deadpool one. It's only, I don't know, 20 bucks for the trade. Try right? it out. You might enjoy it. Um, yeah. And uh, thank you for posting the link in sure. chat for our viewers. <laughs> uh, but actually moving on to our next official topic. Um, sure. Actually, no. Did you want to say anything about the Deadpool Samurai before it, I just skip it, over that? That's a brilliant marketing strategy and a bold move. I hope it works out for them. Uh, right. I, I love this idea, but it's true. Like giving it to the reality is, and I've said this for, for years, if you, th- as long as you reduce the barrier to entry and make it as thin as possible, that's how you're going to save comics. And it's mm-hmm. like, because really, like, if you, I, I see it all the time on, uh, on on subreddits and stuff where people go like, I'm new to comics. Where do I start? What do I do? I want to read comic books. And it's like, oh, well, d- you know, where do you start? And it's like, how can you start? Well, if you want to read the month to month, I guess you have to go to a comic book store. I live in Utah. It's a hundred miles away. Okay. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, I guess you could go online, you know, like, there's so many barriers to entry when it comes to getting into comics, even if it's a social barrier of like mm-hmm. the stigma of going to a comic book store or reading comics in general or reading them in public, uh, which is why digital is like, I think, uh, a great shorthand. Uh, but giving away a comic for free 
Uh, it certainly was the webcomics model. I don't think it is a successful model. It only lasts 10 years. But giving it away for free is, a, is not a, ba- a million views. It's mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, that's what we do. That's our model is yeah. here's the content. It's for free. You know, theoretically, we could get a million views, you know, as long as it's free and a million people want it. Exactly. Uh, and it just gets that gets it out there. Like, yes. and, and honestly, even if you don't read it, you hear, oh, a million people read that, even though normally it's, I mean, maybe a couple hundred thousand, if that, yep. like that, that gets the attention of people to go, like, I'm sure that we've got a lot of people in chat right now. They're like, I want to go read Deadpool Samurai. Yeah, like, that sounds awesome. And it's free. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's in English or not, but I'm sure you could probably find a translation if it uh, is not. Yeah, um, I don't think it is in uh, it, it is in English, but uh, but yeah, somebody mentioned like what will will the problem is where's the what's the retention? And I'm like, well, uh, it's new, so it is a thing that didn't exist before the model. A million views, any number that is not zero, is net profit. Or is yes. net gain, right? You give it with the first one for free, you sell only 200,000 copies or only 50,000 copies. That's 50,000 units sold where there were zero. So it yeah. doesn't matter. The point is getting the eyes. A million views. Listen, people do that on TikTok for a million friggin' loops or views or whatever, and they do it for nothing yeah. <laughs> except maybe a sponsorship. But those clicks, those looks... That's what matters, even if it doesn't directly translate into sales. And with comic books, it does. Yeah, so it definitely yeah. does. Uh, all right, so moving on to our next topic, which, by the way, I don't know if you've been purposefully setting up these transitions, but you keep <laughs> no. saying things that are perfect for going to the next well, one because you were talking just your, about uh, yeah. Netflix. And I'm sure I know I saw you uh, respond to a tweet, so I'll let our... Uh, fans know about it. Keanu Reeves' book Berserker has already been approved for getting a live-action movie as well as an anime on Netflix, uh, with Keanu Reeves producing and starring as the main character in both. He will be voicing the main character in the anime. Yep. Uh, I even included in here. Not much of a surprise. No, no. Like, <laughs> uh, I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Yeah. Like, what uh when you read i mean when the hype train started for berserker like when they announced it before a a page was released people were like keanu reeves is producing a book my reaction i think a a million people's reaction was so you're so you're cowboys and aliens in it Mm -hmm. you're creating a book that will like get sales hype and maybe awards or at the very least, generate the hype necessary to get a passion project or even just like a profit project off the ground. Mm-hmm. Because that's really what it is. Like Hollywood is like, we're literally just taking, uh, you know, millions of dollars and putting it on one color or the other and hope and betting the house on it. Uh, but some ways to inflate the odds on that are. Well, we're using a franchise, or it has a built-in audience, or look at all these reviews of this thing that we're leveraging to release in mm-hmm. our wheelhouse. So with Berserker, it's like, we release Berserker, it costs way less than making a movie. We get the hype of Keanu Reeves being involved and literally being drawn to be the character. And then we put it out there, we get the hype rolling in for it, because retailers and comic book fans and news outlets are like a comic book with Keanu Reeves (laughs) click. Then it comes out and you're like, yup, this is a movie or maybe the first 10 minutes of one. 
uh, in comic book form. And if it's good, which it is, objectively, the book is cool and action-oriented. There's virtually no dialogue, and it's mm-hmm. the dialogue that is there just services the, the concept that they're pitching, which is just... Uh, the Eternal Warrior from Valiant, uh, yeah, but he, pretty, you know, pretty much meets John Wick. <laughs> but uh, that's cool. And if you know, if, okay, so there's this great movie that's from the '90s called Airheads, where a group of idiots take over a radio station and they're in a band and nobody listens to their music. And one of the things that they want is a as a record contract. And the record executive who's seeing it on TV is like, if the song's in English, it's a gold record at least. Like, because right. of the publicity around this band. In this case, it's like, if the comic's in English, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll sell. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. It's just like, yeah. So them saying, so it turns out our strategy of trying to get a Netflix deal and an animated series worked. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm I not mean, surprised. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Because if you have not read it, by the way, guys, uh, Berserker... While it is a concept that we have seen multiple times, it was fun. It was a fun read. I enjoyed it. And when I saw this news, I was not surprised. But at the same time, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch both of them. Like, it (laughs) sounds fun. And it'll also be cool to see this one in the multiple takes on it of live action versus anime. Because in anime, you can go so much more over the top, whereas the live action... You want it to have that more realistic John Wick feel. Um, I'm just going to use that as a comparison because Keanu Reeves was perfect in that. And this is Mm -hmm. so much like it Um, that I'm I am excited to see both takes on it. And the fact that Keanu is producing both of them really makes you go, "Okay, I have faith in this because it is the creator. It's kind of like when people are uh, enamored with the avatar series and they're like oh the original creators of last airbender on this i'm in yep i don't even need to know any live action project i guess i'm out exactly (laughs) exactly but um so this one i i also included in here for the sake of i kind of hope this works out incredibly well so that we can potentially see some more famous very well-known actors that have those passion projects that they really have wanted to do have wanted to work on come to fruition like this was a great idea the gofundme got or a kickstarter got tons of like publicity they i think funded it within a day or something like that like it sold four hundred thousand copies it did so well that it was immediately netflix and uh I'm excited to see what this has for the future of comic books, movie, television related to comic book stuff. Like, even if it's just simply because, I mean, you could go uh, Valiant hires Keanu Reeves. He's going to be writing his version of Eternal Warrior. And people would go, I will read that. It's Keanu Reeves. Like, I love him. I will give Valiant a shot for this. So there's a lot of different stuff with that because, I mean imagine what this is doing for boom studios right now boom studios is enjoying a renaissance not that they've never seen before with something something's killing the children with uh, once in future with their own uh line and of course with the success the runaway success of berserker uh Mm -hmm. they are a force to be reckoned with they're a power player in the industry now uh and they should be very proud of themselves for their for their brilliant business strategy oh yeah Uh, 
because it's you know good for them uh the other thing is you know i i understand the frustrations with you know comic books selling on a monthly basis the top book like 160,000 copies and it's mm-hmm. like oh and unless you do a gimmick and then it's like 200,000 or if you do a sequel to dark knight it's 300,000 right. uh, but that's kind of it that's your glass ceiling is like really 160 200,000 copies and then this book sells 5 to 600,000 copies in the first issue and it's because Keanu Reeves made a really lousy video that he's where he's like <laughs> Because I don't know if you saw it, it's like he's a hostage, uh, where he's just like, I worked on a comic book, and I'm reading from a prompter, and I'm only doing one take. And it's just like, you know, just just word of mouth, and Keanu Reeves' good faith, boom, book sells like, like crazy. No pun mm-hmm. intended. And uh, on one hand, I get like the manipulation of the marketplace, where it's like, you're just leveraging the good faith and fandom of Keanu Reeves to exploit the comic book industry so that you can get Hollywood to pay attention to a pitch. They probably would have greenlit if you just pitched it to them anyway. Right. But 600,000 copies is still 600,000 copies. That's 600,000 new readers. Because it's not just everyone in the comic book market reading Berserker. Those six, the, because if it was the top book every month, it would be 600,000 copies. So right. obviously we're bringing in 500,000, 450,000 more readers, conceivably. Or, and, and let's let's even cut it in half. Just say the speculators market, everybody bought two, right? right? So you're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of new readers who read this, who are familiar with the format. Because people talk about this all the time, and I'll, I'll promise it's connected. Uh, they compare manga and Western comics, and like manga sells outsells Western comics by like you know six to one. Manga, Western comics just need to be manga, and it's like right. first of all, no. <laughs> Secondly, culturally speaking, manga is more normalized yeah. in Japan than it is in America. Manga itself is less normalized than Western comics in culture here in America and the Western world. So what you need to do if you want to fix Western comics or sell them to people is you got to change the culture itself. You need to make comic books or the format and the medium normalized enough for people to have removed the stigma attached to the experience. It's not apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. And if you're selling a Keanu Reeves comic book to 600,000 people, that is a great step in the right direction of normalization for comic books, which at the end of the day is what we want. Yeah. You know, many of us I know are comic book fans because like the, it's a it's a it's a specialized market and it's a place where you know it and you feel special. But I promise you, you get better stuff, you get new creators, you get innovation if you if you expand and you normalize. So, on one hand, I'm like, what? Keanu Reeves' comic book is going to be a show that clearly was the plan in the first place? Yeah. Like, but maybe as a consequence, maybe in his efforts to like literally step on the head of the comic book industry to get to this movie that he's producing, we can also benefit in mm-hmm. the comic book industry of like, you know, when you stepped on my head, some change fell out of your pocket. And right. like, now I've... You know, now I can I can get some of it. And it's like, that sucks, but it's like a- a- any port in a storm at this point. Like, come on, you know? 
maybe it's new readers and that's that's always a good thing it doesn't hurt the comic book industry for this book to be successful or for his book to be a, a movie or a show or an anime or something right it's great and it, you know that's actually a great point that i didn't even think about of bringing in new readers right and it would actually be kind of interesting to see whether or not him writing that comic did get new readers in or if when issue two comes out because I believe all of these are being set, uh, sold in physical form in comic retail shops as well. Yep. Which it would be very fun to see. Oh, well, this person came in for Berserker, but they were like, oh, man, like Wolverine, red, or black, white and blood. That's violent, yeah. too. I want the I want all the violence with exactly. no colors except blood. Uh, right. <laughs> Which, yeah. for the record, is a weirdly common thing right now because we're going to be getting a Carnage book soon of Black, White, and Blood. Yep. That's a different story for a different day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But It'll yeah. be interesting. I mean, we know we're going to get a drop off. Like 600,000, I bet issue two sells 200 or like right. 50. You know, it'll be, it'll be an epic drop, you know. Uh, but like I said before about, you know, when, where there was nothing, where the number was zero and then it started and then it became 600,000. Like any number between zero and 600,000 is a net gain for boom and everybody else. Exactly. So, let's do it. Um, all right. So on to the next topic. Uh, once again, Robert Kirkman, uh, Robert yes. Kirkman talks about his goals for the invincible TV show, uh, hoping for the show to go multiple seasons, aiming for five to seven seasons, uh, which, if you know how long Walking Dead's been on, that's not really bizarre for him. Uh, nope. And aims to craft stories beyond what was told in the original comic series. I loved reading that. I loved reading that he does not want to do exactly what was in the comics. Yeah. Because it makes you start... It 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 adds a little bit kind of like what uh, WandaVision was. Where people right. was were watching it, they go... That's a comic reference. I know the one that they're talking about where Agatha trades the kids to Mephisto because it's always Mephisto. Right. Um, and I I want that kind of hype, that kind of mystery theorizing, uh, as long as it doesn't ruin things like fans like to do. Uh -huh. um, I want that behind the Invincible show. And I want that. I really want it to do well. I really liked the comic for uh, the portion that I did read. Um, mm -hmm. I believe it went for something like 114 issues. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some crazy yeah. number like that. But uh, yeah, what like what do you think of that? What's uh, are you excited for the show? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I loved uh, the series such that I did. Uh, like I loved it more. There's a turn. There's a period in the book where I'm like, no, like <laughs> where <laughs> where I, I where I stop rooting for um, for for Invincible mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, regardless of that, the book itself is, it's a tour de force. It's a, it's a terrific series. It, again, it helped the comic book industry. It generated new fans. It created new standards and expectations. And of course it helped Robert Kirkman's career immensely. Um, but uh, I like the idea of it being number one, like that book very easily translates into a show. It very could, it, it very easily could be, uh, adapted like like issue for issue into a series that would run until the book un until the book runs out right um and no one would no one would be surprised or disappointed like i think people n noobs who have never read or heard of invincible <laughs> would watch the show and be like enamored and enthralled with the with the twists and turns exactly as they were in the comic book 
Mm-hmm. And the fact is, more people, just just in general, will have seen the show than have ever read the comic book. And that's a world you're going to have to live with, ladies and gentlemen. Is like, just like Walking Dead, there will be more people who know Walking Dead from the show than know it from the comic book. There will be more people who have watched the Invincible cartoon than, wa- than read the comic book. And... Walking Dead did the same thing where it diverged from the comic book in a big way. And you can like point to the moments of divergence and go like, this is where the comic went in this direction. This is where the show went in this direction. Mm -hmm. I think that it's great that Kirkman is a hands-on enough to help foster new directions for this show Mm -hmm. and B allow for new viewing experiences. So both audiences can be satisfied with this new show because Every comic book fan wants them to just do the comic book on a screen, whether it's animation or live action. But that's what they say they want. But when you do one for one, then they go, why can't they innovate? Why can't they be creative? Why do they have to do it this way? They didn't do it exactly like this because it's a comic book and it's interpretive in its own way. So there's no way they could ever have done it satisfactorily for your standards. So they have to do something different. And if they're going to do something different, that's really what what you want. You just don't know it. And so it allows for the people who are just watching Invincible because they know it's a show on Amazon and people who are watching Invincible because they love the comic book to have wholly new original experiences and to both be equally surprised. That's awesome. That's so smart. It's a good idea. It's a great idea. And uh, I hope they give it to them. Amazon canceled the tick way too early. So I don't know (laughs) if they're going to keep Invincible going. I'm sure it costs less to make the show than it does to make the tick. So uh, we'll see, but and and Kirkman has some clout where Edlund simply did not. <laughs> yeah, um, so. I the one so something I'm actually really excited about this series yeah. is that it's going to be a cartoon series. A lot of right. stuff, kind of like Berserker, uh, we're seeing anime adaptions or live action adaptions. Exactly. And anime is kind of like uh, in the Western culture, like you were saying with comic books, it's not really popularized. People. When you're in a show and you watch anime, you're the nerd. Like, people right. don't always relate to that. But many, many people, especially in our generation, have watched superhero shows of some sort throughout their time, whether it was Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Young Justice, uh, the original Teen Titans, the X-Men uh, 90s show. Yep. Which I don't know anyone that hasn't seen that show. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that it's going to be a cartoon is going to allow a lot of those viewers to really get back into this, get Mm -hmm. back into the comic world. And like you were saying earlier, any new viewer is our new people. It's profit. It's getting people into the show. And it would be fantastic if that translated into people buying the Invincible comics and then just going from there. I think it would be fantastic uh yeah like people are saying in chat all the different spider-man shows like i feel like everyone has watched a cartoon of a superhero at some point in their life and i think i think the invincible being a cartoon is going to be very good for the industry so interesting insight because there are some cartoons that have never that have never left the cultural mindset uh people know about aquaman because of the super friends cartoon Mm-hmm. People refer yep. to the Justice League as Super Friends because of that cartoon. That cartoon that came out years before any of us were born. Right. That like that maybe some of us have never even seen before. They know the cartoon. They know about Aquaman or they know about the stigma associated with that cartoon. Mm-hmm. And in many ways also, people have a fondness, an affinity for X-Men 
in a way that you wouldn't necessarily have had if you had just read the comics because of that cartoon show. Yeah. Um, so you have like both negatives and positives of the impact on the culture by your cartoon. Um, the funny thing is, you know, Image doesn't have their own comic reader. You know, they're not, they don't have Image Unlimited or Image Infinite. <laughs> so the only place you can really buy Image digitally is through the uh, Comixology app, which is owned by Amazon. To be very smart of Amazon to put like a clickable link or something at the end of every episode to the book you can buy. Yep. Be a nice way to demonstrate the synergy that should exist between these media platforms that like, you know, it used to be, uh, you know, a studio would license a character from the comic book company and make the movie. They had no vested interest in helping the comic book industry because they have no personal financial stake in that industry. But now that most of these mega conglomerates own these industries, it's like <laughs> Disney producing a Marvel movie, promote the comic, you own the publisher. And use that uh, applicability across the board. So mm-hmm. with Image, it's like, you know, Amazon's making the show. Amazon's selling the comics. Sell the comics through the show. Yeah. You get two sales that way. You get, you're selling the show, and you're selling the comic. Please, exactly. come on. And like uh, another way, this is great. It's reminding me of topics that are not even on the list. Uh, oh, they sure. could even do it the reverse way. Buy the comic. You get to watch the episode for free. Um, The reason why that popped into my mind was Benny and I were talking the other day that Fortnite is going to be getting Batman in the game and you can get an exclusive skin if you buy one of the comics. Oh, that's a great idea. Exactly. Like when we heard that, honestly, we started asking each other. Who's paying who for this? Like, because that's such a (laughs) Fortnite gets Batman. People go over there for that. Batman comic gives you a Fortnite skin. People go over there. Like, it's so so much of a I scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing that, I mean, honestly, neither of them could have paid and they'll both make millions from it. That's the thing. For Um, me, seriously, like, if I were DC, if I was had a DC licensing, that would have been one of those things where it's like, you can license the Batman character in your game for free if... You let us have an exclusive skin you can download if you buy the comic book and you don't charge us for that. Yeah. Like just a just a tit for tat, no cost. And just let everybody make the money. Um, that's such a good idea. I need yes. to know. I, do, do we I, have, I need to know like what issue it is so we can track the sales and see if there is a direct correlation. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm sure when that does come out, I will have uh, a an article of some sort for you and Benny good. to discuss. Good. So we need it. Okay. Um, All right, so moving on to the next one, last one for the day, uh, excluding our TV show discussion, of course. Yes. Um, Spider-Man Spider's Shadow will begin on April 14th, venturing into a what if uh, Spider-Man had kept the Venom symbiote instead of giving it up and becoming Venom himself. Uh, This is going to be written by Chip Zdarsky. And once again, this is another story of going into if he had kept the symbiote, which... Very recently, we've had the symbiote Spider-Man comic, which has kind of gone into that idea. The reason why I put this one on here is because of the fact it seems like he might be going in a darker direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I am really hoping for that because I've seen enough of, oh, well, he's heroic and he was able to make Venom a good guy. And it turned out it was Eddie Brock that was the problem. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be a great story. I'm I'm definitely going to be reading it, obviously, for many of our different shows. Uh, yeah. But also, this would be one that I would pick up regardless. 
I right. Yeah. So what, uh, oh, what yeah. do you think? Are you excited at all? Are do, are you kind of tired of the whole? Oh, what if Spider Man kept the symbiote? If it was anybody else, I'd be like, forget it. Like yeah. uh, seriously, like that concept of what if Spider Man's life totally sucked? Uh, what if a horrible thing happened to Spider Man? I'm like, well, I don't need to. What if that? That happens all to him all the time. And every other interpretation is like a misery fest. Like every mm-hmm. non-canon version of Spider Man typically is like it ends in death and misery. <laughs> and uh, be- because we can't necessarily end the comic book, the main series in death and misery, so I'm gonna go full tilt death and misery with it. Yeah. Uh, but it's Chip Zdarsky, so I'm going to buy it. Exactly. And it's just one of those things where it's like, if it's Chip, I'm going to buy it because Chip knows what he's doing. He not, not only does he know the character, but he also knows how to balance. It's not like, if, if Robert Kirkman or Garth Ennis were writing this, I'd, I'd pass because I right. know that they like are entertained by death and misery and they find it funny and they, they, don't, care about char- they don't care about character more than they care about like the gimmick. Right. And for Zdarsky... He has no vested interest in writing something for any reason other than the pure des- desire to tell that story. He doesn't need like to to impress Marvel with an epic Spider-Man story. He doesn't need to like beg DC for a Batman series. Like he just he could he literally can just do whatever he wants whenever he wants to. And so that kind of freedom and that kind of like luxury for him affords us as readers the opportunity to go well, then I know he's not doing this for any other reason than here's a book. You know, here, here, here's a story I had in my heart that I needed to tell. And exactly. so I'm in, you know, like, so maybe it will be a misery fest, but it'll be a well-written misery fest. Like, it'll be well-written and maybe it won't be. Like, I love Tom Taylor's Deceased Universe. I'm sure you do too. Oh, yes. Deceased is amazing. And it's like, it's infinitely better for me than Marvel Zombies. Because Marvel Zombies is let's explore the fun of watching your 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 most beloved characters be monsters, and Tom Taylor's Deceased is let's explore the story I'm telling about this these characters, and the the twist is it's zombies, but it's about these characters and their journey, and it's not about ho ha like lol Spider Man ate Aunt May's brains. Right. You know, because it's almost like a sadistic delight that some writers take in like getting like the and uh, being allowed to muck with your favorite characters, as opposed to Taylor, who's like, I am given an opportunity to tell a story, and I think I've got a pretty pretty damn good one too. And it's like that's what I'm looking for. And I think with Zdarsky, it probably will end tragically. It probably will be oh, miserable, yeah. but it will be fair, and it will be. It'll feel authentic, and that's what I want. I just want okay. an authentic experience when I'm reading my books. Yeah, and this one uh, I included because of the fact that it was written, or it is going to be written by Chip Zdarsky as yeah. a great example of how good authors you can give them an idea that has been run into the ground. Yeah, but if it's given to the right author, people will give it a shot, and it usually turns out amazing. Um, yep. cause I was even going to use Tom Taylor as an example. Like if he is put on a title, I'm going to read it. It's one yeah. of the, he's one of those writers that just, if he is writing it, I'm going to give it a chance. Kelly Thompson. She's actually another yes. one of my favorites that if she's writing something, her black widow, uh, story 
fantastic of a character I was starting to just get tired of. Like it yeah. was almost always the same story and she kept it new. She gave us a great story and I'm really hoping uh, Chip Zdarsky does that for us as well. Um, and I'm actually glad I mentioned Kelly Thompson's Black Widow because it reminded me and chat reminded me of the announcement that the Black Widow movie is yeah. only going to be going to theaters. No. Oh, did it's it get not? Oh, I must have read the no. incorrect breaking thing news. Okay, Black yeah, you they, tell me. Okay, they moved Black Widow to, to July 9th. Okay. Uh, so July. So Black Widow is not coming out this May. It will be coming out July 9th. It will be coming out day and date. It'll be coming out in theaters and on Disney Plus. Oh. For the Mulan slash Rye of the Last Dragon pricing. Okay. So if you want to see Black Widow at home, spend your 30 bucks and you get to rent the movie, or you can go to theaters and see it on the same day. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad I brought that up and you cleared yeah, it up too. for me because I actually, I, I must have read one of those classic rumors to get you in to the article kind of when I was going through all this different stuff of, it is just in theaters. And they're just lying to me. Yeah, no, Disney Plus tweeted about it two hours ago. They said, Black Widow in theaters July 9th and on Disney Plus with premiere access. They didn't say the $30 thing. I said the $30 thing. Right. Because they haven't changed the price since Mulan, uh, my assumption is it's 30 bucks. Right. Okay, so that that explains why I did actually get a couple. If if it was announced earlier today, that explains why a couple people did ask me when I get my news for the show. That definitely makes a little more sense now. Um, All right. So moving into our little bit of a discussion piece, we will keep it rather short because uh, you and Benny have done full videos of these on our Absolutely Marvel and DC uh, channel. Uh, We'll start off with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, because I did watch that movie just this morning, actually. Yep. Uh, So it's nice, fresh in my mind. And (laughs) I enjoyed it. I will say I enjoyed it, but it was... I can see why Benny has been saying, if you liked Justice League, you're going to love the Snyder Cut, Yep. but it's not going to make you want... It's not going to change your mind if you did not like the original Justice League. Um So give me your quick uh, rundown on your opinion, and then I'll kind of give yeah, a little yeah. bit of mine, because I would love to hear what you've got to say about oh, it. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's clearly better than the last one. It is, uh, you know, it, it, it's a completely different animal from the previous. Uh, we're looking at a snapshot of what Zack Snyder was like as a filmmaker five years ago, and it's like, you know, it, it, it's very uh, self-referential. It is very... Uh, uh, deliberate in its execution and in, and in its uh, storytelling. Uh, Snyder had a vision and a story to tell, and he actually managed to tell it. Uh, though I think it, I, I think that the four-hour cut created an opportunity to make something other than a standard movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have a movie in there, you have a story in there, a, a narrative that actually can be followed and makes sense and has like set up some payoff and growth and and it's a it's a genuine thing as a it's the thing not that they should have released the 4 hour cut but it's the thing the studio should have stood behind in the beginning yeah so okay um and once again if you want Sal's longer opinion absolutely marvel in dc i got to keep plugging that in there get you guys over there yeah. um so the first thing that i had to say about the movie was that First off, 
it was I enjoyed it a lot. The okay. reviews were very positive, but I actually started thinking about the reviews. And one of the reasons why I think they are so almost overwhelmingly positive is because the fact that it is a four hour long movie yeah. means only people that are truly interested are going to invest that time to watch the movie. That's true. That's that's a very good point I never thought about where it's like, what, a, like, who is going to watch this outside of people who know it's already going to be there? Exactly. Because I... I, the reason why I hadn't watched it until just today was because it's four hours long. I kept thinking, when am I going to be able to sit down for four hours, watch it all straight? Because clearly they want you to watch it all straight. Otherwise, they would have kept it as the four episode hour long thing that they had originally planned. Right, the show or the whatever series they wanted to do. Series yeah. or, yeah, exactly, which... They definitely broke it the way that it was broken up with those like title screens every now yep. and then. It made sense that they could have done that, but um, it definitely worked way better as a movie. And I enjoyed it. I did not like the number of things that were put in clearly to make you want more that we're not yes. going to get. No, um, yeah, that was very, yeah, for me, I agree with you. Uh, I, I want you to finish that thought. I'm just, I just I, I'm a, I'm 100% on board with that. Like, yeah, the, the epilogue was pure self-indulgence to the point yes. where it actually, I think, it kind of didn't hurt the movie, but it does take away from the impact this thing could have had. Mm-hmm. A, that and the the epilogue was exactly what I was thinking. Most notably, Martian Manhunter, where it's like, okay, you you spent so much to make him look like Martian Manhunter, have him just randomly show up, doesn't even call himself John Johns, uh, to you know make it a little easier for uh, Bruce. But it was very clearly, no, I just wanted to tease you so that hopefully our fan the fans will talk about it enough that HBO will give me another series on it because there's no other reason for him to really show up. No. Like, uh, it, outside if it of kept like world going, building, it would be. It, right. It, it, well, it's just very weird. Like even his inclusion in the Lois Lane sequence where he's like impersonating Martha Kent. Uh, yep. You know, it's kind of like, all right. I mean, it does make more sense than Martha flying to Metropolis and flying right back to Kansas for no reason whatsoever outside of like giving Lois a pep talk. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate at least like it's no, she never left. She hasn't given Lois a pep talk. She didn't care. She sat herself. Uh, that was Martian Manhunter the whole time. That was a, actually I had less of an issue with that scene than I did the epilogue scene where he's like, hey, Bruce, looks like you had a rough night because you dropped like 20 pounds. <laughs> Yes. You look rough. Uh, and, you know, I, I I just feel like, you know, you, you shot the epilogue. Like, you didn't need to, sh you know, one or the other. We either mm -hmm. get the setup with Martian Manhunter or we get the student film you made with the Joker in it. Uh, but not both. Um, but, yeah, I, I was less issue. I had less issues, fewer issues, if you will, with uh, with John's appearance than I did with the, with the overall epilogue nightmare. Yes, video. that... The future one with the Joker, I thought that that was also very, very pointless. And like having Batman say the F word, it, it didn't do anything. Like it, like no. it was just there for the shock factor that didn't even shock. Like it, no, it it was actually <laughs> it disappointed for me. Yeah, he, 
Because it wasn't even, like, I, I'm not the kind of person who's like, you, you can't have Batman say the F-bomb. Like, he murders people in this movie. The, saying the F-word is the wor- is the is nowhere near the worst thing Batman's done in these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he actually does say it, it's like, it's him yelling at Joker, and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to get you. And I'm like, okay. like it's, it's It just felt kind of, like, silly, as opposed mm-hmm. to it being even cool, you know? It was just, I don't know. It just felt a little weird. Yeah. It uh, wasn't too excited. Yeah, it wasn't that. I, I, it honestly, the second he said, it, I was like, "Oh, well, this kind of got a little less." Like, it, it didn't matter. Like, I was like, "Oh, that well, was just kind of weird." Yeah. Um, yeah, I did like it. I did find it funny that a lot, I've seen uh, on Twitter people being like, "Oh, Batman would also never put a machine gun on a tank or something like that." And my first thought was, "You understand that." He's prepared for everything, and <laughs> a machine gun's kind of what you need when you're fighting a parademon invasion. Uh, right. You can't I mean, kind of, like you can't he, tactically subdue all of these parademons. Like it was just the for fact me, people were complaining. I was like, really? Like, with the guns, like I, I've lost that fight. Like mm-hmm. me say, me being mad about Batman killing people or using guns. He had Gatling guns on the Batmobile in '89. So, you know, and he, he dropped grenades on people in 89. Like, I, I, I've i lost that fight. The idea mm-hmm. of Batman not murdering people or not using weapons or, like, or guns, uh, you know, I still feel that way, but I'm done complaining about it uh, right. in, in, in movie form because Hollywood is just like, it's just faster if he kills people. It's easier if he just kills people. Like, And Zack Snyder's the one who was like, and he uses guns, like a lot. Like, yeah. that, for me, that was somebody who deliberately went against the grain when it came to like a fundamental like aspect of Batman's character. Uh, but again, like complaining about machine guns and killing people with the Batmobile, like I'm done complaining about that at this point. You know, I, it, it do I like seeing it? No. Uh, but am I surprised by it? Like by the time I saw the Snyder cut, I'm like, this is, a, this is somebody else's Batman. It ain't my Batman, yeah. but like I do dig ba- Affleck's portrayal. I like the suit, you know, all that stuff. But like, you know, we're not doing that. Like, you know, I'm not complaining about that part of, of, of the of the Batman character in film. I have plenty of versions of Batman where he doesn't do that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and and I don't think that this version is the one to change all of it. Uh, so that for me is no big deal. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, the uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that was like really the, in its del- in its in the in the deliberate method through which uh, Snyder gave us the story, you know, it felt authentic and it like it worked on a lot, on a lot of levels. Like yeah. I uh, I actually found myself like really enjoying certain sequences or being surprised by certain stuff or or you know and and, and having those emotional turns that you you put in movies to manipulate your audience to feel those things. You know, like I like that. Like Joe Morton's uh, sequence uh, at the end, you know, with the with the mother box. I'm like, good stuff. This is a good scene. Like this is good, you know. And then Which, having it make sense and why he did it in the first place, I'm like, yeah, that, wow, that really that really tracks. Right. Um, Flash's powers and how he uses them to, you yes. know, with time. I'm like, this is good stuff. This is this is a real use of that character. Like, all right. Um, again, like it's just there's a lot of a lot of solid stuff in that movie. Yeah, I was or actually gonna thing. mention that as well. Please. Of the the action, the CGI, the fight scenes, I loved them all. Honestly, yeah. I. I loved all of them, and in the original Justice League, 
I was not a fan of the flash. I thought the no. flash was like a very poor use of the character and they actually did him justice in this. They made him goofier. They made yeah. him faults. The fact that he like trips multiple times, like they give yeah. reasons for him to do these different things. Like you said, the different ways that he uses his power. I don't want to truly spoil the ending. Cause it, right. it was just such a big moment that I was like, Oh wow. Like, yeah. I, okay. I'm invested in this. I will say they missed an opportunity of, uh, at some point having Grant Gustin show up when he's in the speed force <laughs> to replicate that scene from, uh, crisis. From the show? Yeah. From the, the show. I was like, that would have been a great little thing to put in, even if it was just one of the epilogue things. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. If you did enjoy Justice League, I would suggest checking out Zack Snyder's cut for it on HBO Max. Um, and Be then, part of the cultural sensation. Like, it's a thing yes. that happened that whose like will never come again. So try it out. You know, it's worth checking out. I did Crazy. see a small rumor, and it was definitely a rumor to clickbait people of, <laughs> oh, the Russo brothers are thinking about their six-hour Infinity War. I'm like, <laughs> get that out of here. Don't even no. mention such a thing. No. Um, but speaking of Marvel, we will go in to our last topic of the day, Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode one. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I. They have been doing such a good sh- job with these shows Mm-hmm. I did not honestly expect movie quality shows on every single episode and it have it just such a different vibe from WandaVision to show yeah. they're not all going to be the same. They're all going to no. have their own personality to the show and already they have me hooked. I'm so excited for the next episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, Definitely. What about yourself? I can't wait. It's a great show. Uh, it's... It does a nice job of balancing action with character. And, uh, you know, I, I saw somebody mention, uh, somebody like a critic online who uh, mentioned that, like, it was kind of like, we got that one action sequence and that's kind of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. But I think that as long as we get at least one action sequence like that opening one per show, like per episode, no complaints whatsoever. Because, like, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I like action. I enjoy action sequences and, and fight scenes and stuff. But, like, for me, it's about character interaction. So, you know, I dug it. I liked how uh, how the, 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 the whole, you know, flying helicopter sequence went. Um, but for me, you know, it was, it was exciting to see all kinds of interactions. And, and mm-hmm. it was fun. You know, it was as fun as any other scene in the movie. Um, I, I, one of the things that one of the takeaways for me of this particular episode, the first episode, was how well shot the show was. Oh, yeah. It was just really really like nice cinematography in this i mean it's very you know it wasn't like it was breaking any barriers or doing anything it's not you know we're not talking about like hitchcock creating new 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 ideas here but just it was a it was a pretty show it was yeah. it was it was a pretty show it just it was very act the action sequence was really well shot but any any dialogue scenes really well executed and uh, and equally well executed so it's like it's not like oh i got an action sequence director to make the show and he's like, really awesome action, dialogue. I don't know what the hell to do with these characters. Like, I don't know, they sit in a booth and they look at each other? Like, no. Uh, they, they, the, the scenes, like the scene between Bucky and his therapist is so mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. And it's just, it's just really well shot. And I was like, that's really nice. And, and having like not hacky actors doing those scenes made it feel even more like 
authentic. Like I really liked, you know, I love Anthony Mackie. I, I, I actually really care more about, about Bucky now than I ever yes, did. Same. Cause like I, I was sick of Bucky by the time civil war comes out. I'm like, kill this guy <laughs> who cares about him. Steve, your obsession with this dude is like borderline sick. You need to get your shit together. Kill right. this guy. Uh, you know, I could not care less about Bucky. Uh, but now in the absence of Steve, it's this dude who's like trying to make amends and he can't, you know, he's just like, I have no friends. I have no mm-hmm. life. I have nothing in my life. And it's like, that's cool. And I like yeah. this. And so. uh, not only the cinematography that was good, the pacing. Yeah. At no, like I was a little worried that because it is focusing on two very important characters yep. that are not always interacting like in WandaVision of Vision and Wanda living together and having yeah. that kind of stuff. I was worried that it was going to be a little too fast paced of swapping right. back and forth, making it, oh, okay, we're done with Falcon. Okay, well, now we're with Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I thought they did a great job of never making you feel rushed. Like you, you got to experience the show. You did not feel like, okay, okay. I got to process what just happened so that I can focus on what is now happening. No, they did Mm -hmm. such a good job with this show entirely. I really hope that it stays consistently this good. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, Dylan and I have actually been doing our talks on Superman and Lois, also on Absolutely Marvel and DC. And uh, we're talking about how some of the episodes, they're not consistent. One episode is a lot more, a lot more fast paced than another one. And so Mm. I'm really hoping Falcon and Winter Soldier does not end up that way and that every episode is going to be consistent. WandaVision showed that they are capable of it. So I'm really Mm -hmm. hoping it continues. Um, yeah, I will say I gotta say um, I I really liked the message and the like social like kind of meta commentary uh, that you got through Sam and his sister, uh, mm-hmm. but I think we had like one scene too many. Like for okay. me, it, that was the part where you mentioned like you know it didn't drag. I agree that the the show was fast paced and I got we got equal proportionate attention to Sam's like world and what his struggle is and Bucky's. But, like, yeah, I get it. Like, you're, you know, your sister has no money and you mm-hmm. don't want to sell the boat. Do we need another scene of you on the boat? Like, you know That's what I fair. mean? Like, we could, we could trim it. I feel like you really could have trimmed it down. Like, the bank scene was enough, but you don't get enough acting from his sister. You know, it's, it's right. less is more. But, like, so you do need that scene of them at the market, you know, outside the boat. So I guess I, I liked that. And I think that's really all you needed. You just needed that scene where he talks to her and he wa- and, they're, and they're unloading stuff off the truck and then you cut. Like, not cut the whole show, but just right. those are the two scenes you keep. You that scene yeah. and the boat scene. But, like, I just felt like there was a lot of reiterating, yeah, I get it, you know? But at least they all service the story because mm-hmm. they're telling you not only, okay, so, like, yes, his sister has hard times. Yes, uh, Sam has... Like Sam is clearly overcompensating, but you also get this like element of like Sam, like, you know, you're overcompensating, you know, yes, you would, you were blipped for five years, but like you were blipped longer than that. Like you, you you chose the air force and the Avengers over us. And so you like, you're only here because you don't have anybody else. Mm hmm. 
And it's like, that's kind of interesting. Like, so I appreciate that you get, yeah. And, and as a show, you have more room to breathe and you could explore that. But for me, for brevity's sake, I was like, eh, yeah, 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 all right. Like, for me, every scene with Bucky was it was essential and important. Every yeah. scene with Bucky, I was like, ooh, like, ooh, that was a good one. Like, with Sam, not every scene made me think, like, this is 100% in service to the story. I was just kind of like, eh, like, eh, but right. who knows, you know? But, uh, but I, will, I will say, I, do, I did dig all of it. I still enjoyed the show. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm really excited. The the twist at the end with our new Captain America. I actually saw a thing because uh, obviously everyone is making memes about this guy. <laughs> and I, I believe somewhere he came out being like, I really hope people don't start hating me because of right. this. And because of all these memes being like, this is the discount version of uh, Captain America. And I just <laughs> thought it was... I thought it was kind of funny. It'll be fun to see where that goes because yes. we all discussed, oh, would Bucky take the shield? Would uh, Sam take the shield? Are they going to be the ones? No, the United States government is the one that decides who's the next Captain America. And when that happened, I was like, that makes sense. Obviously, they would be the ones that would do it. But like the way that he finds out of, they didn't even inform him. It was just on TV and he's like, Wait a second. Oh, That's they tricked me. him. They were like, "No, no, you got to you can't you no no no, there is no Captain America. You can't have, you can't have the shield. We're going to put it in the Smithsonian." And then immediately like it, they like spent, you know, like call it $200,000 to create a dog and pony show to trick Sam into leaving the shield with them. Yeah. So they can legally argue, "No, you gave it up." Mhm. Uh, we changed our minds. No, no, that was all real. We just changed our minds. Like, "No, you didn't, you liar." Right. Uh, good stuff in terms of that's what people that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, it's messed up, but that's what they do. Um, yeah. I I hope that John Walker is not just a cartoon bad guy. Yeah, I. Where he's agree. like, yo, I'm a, yo, I'm Captain America. What do you want? You know, like, no, I I hope he's just like, he's like, no, they told me you gave it up, man. And it's like, yeah, I did, but like, yeah, uh, like, okay, but like, what's the difference? Like, what's the problem? Like, I want to see like a kind of like morally ambiguous, or at the very least, like a dude who, you know, is like. I was called upon my my government asked me to be Captain America. It was mm-hmm. a hard choice to make, right. you know. But I but I chose it. Don't give me a hard time. Like it took me a long time to come to terms with being it. You yeah. know, don't don't show up and tell me that I'm an asshole. <laughs> like I kind of want to see that. Like, I, and I think that the show the, the and it, we're only talking about the first episode, but it's given nuance enough to be like, I think we're gonna get that. Yeah, I think so. And um, of course, Mephisto will be in the show. Uh, well, uh, obviously. I mean, John well, Walker just what episode is Mephisto. Will be in there. Like that's there you go. Obvious. He's Mephisto. Yeah. <laughs> How else can you explain his face in that helmet? That's the face of the devil. No I mean, question. Exactly. But that brings us to the conclusion of today's episode of Absolute Comics. I hope you all had a great time. Uh, Benny will be back again next week, um, assuming everything goes well with his move and we don't yeah. get another three feet of snow randomly which oh it's colorado i would not honestly be surprised uh if you want to find more of sal he is at uh sal says what as well as the comic pop channel on youtube if you want to find more of me i'm on twitch.tv slash silo 91 c-y-l-o-o-9-1 um, and if you want early access to this show, you can get it on both of our Patreons, patreon.com slash or patreon.com slash comic pop. Uh, this is also sponsored by G Fuel. Use code comics at checkout. Save 10% off your order. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time.